Hi, this is Ray Garrison of Silos, and you are listening to the Unfolding Sound Podcast. But you'd better watch your step, girl, or start living with your Hi, this is Doug Leach with the Unfolding Sound Podcast, and I'm here with Ray Garrison of Silos. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. Glad to have you here. Same. So yeah, uh, you've just put out a new single with Jay Gordon of Orgy, uh, Insatiable. Yes. You started off pairing with other artists, like uh, Pretty Heartbreak, OG Mako, mm-hmm. things like that, to, to do singles. Then you started branching out into your own stuff where it's just you under the name Ray Garrison. Right. And under the bio for Pirate Cheetah, another uh, project that you were in, it says, and uh, I quote, an extensive multi-genre music career that ranges from the emo rock era of the late 90s till now. Can, can you give us a bit of history of, uh, of your musical career leading up to Silos? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been going on for a while. I started in the late 2000s. I was like 15 and I just kind of started writing songs and um, there was this pro audio store in Atlanta. I had to drive past it home from school every day and I knew it was where like Butch Walker and like Jermaine Dupri and like a bunch of like the big Atlanta producers bought their gear. So I would just like walk in there and um, the first time I went in there, I just brought my first demo I ever made at home. Okay. I think it was in like Cubase. And I was just like, here, listen to this. What do I need? And then the guy at the front was like, you need a producer. Me and my friend will produce for you. So I think I gave him like 200 bucks a track, which is like, you know, nothing. I pretty much just got like right in the studio. And those guys, Daniel Gardner and Rob, they had this like production company called WizKid Sound. And um, I made a four song EP with them. And they also taught me how to like engineer and record properly. So they gave me a copy of Melodyne back then. They had like an extra store copy, okay. um, serial key. So yeah, like pretty much right then and there, I, like I started producing and at that, at that time I was Ray Garrison, a solo, like a solo rock artist. And then I formed into a band called The Media Says and did that till like, I don't know, for a few years. And it was like a high school band and then everyone kind of like went to college and, you know, did other stuff. So we never really blew up out of the Atlanta scene. But we did, we were like, you know, one of the big local Atlanta bands, you know, we were playing, we were opening up for all the big artists that came in town, um, all the Warped Tour artists, we played with like so many of those bands. Yeah, and then all this time, you know, I was enjoying making records, but I also wanted to be able to like produce myself. So I was spending just as much time like learning production and stuff. And then when uh, my band broke up, 
when I was like 21 or 22, then I really got into producing and I started producing like a local rapper and then, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. I even did like a country <laughs> singer. And then, and then around that time I fell in love with electronic music and I got into the electronic world and I moved to LA to pursue like being a DJ and an electronic producer and like a pop producer. Yeah, I got really into the electronic world for many years. Like, I don't know, like six or seven, like, I don't know, a long time. And it was a lot of fun and I got to do a lot of cool shows and learn a lot more about the programming side of production. And uh, yeah, around like COVID, I just got, I wasn't going to any clubs and I kind of was like getting sober at the time. So like all of a sudden, like the electronic music wasn't quite as exciting, you know, yeah. sitting at home, not partying. So I picked up my, and then I was around the time I was working with Pretty Heartbreak. Pretty Heartbreak was in the, you know, emo rap world, but we were mixing like the kind of music, we were mixing like my electronics style with like his like emo rap style. And that got me playing guitar on tracks you know, more. And then once I kind of got a taste for that, then around that time, someone showed me, bring me the Horizons Ammo album. And I was like, whoa, like, I didn't realize this. I listened to it and I was like, this is exactly what I would do with rock if I was making rock. Like it had the EDM influence that I had been super into, but it was heavy and it sounded sick. And like, I kind of left rock because the sonically, it just was like kind of right. stale, you know, like, there, like you had all this electronic or program music that had like thick bass and sound design and stuff that was like sounded new. And then like, I just kind of stepped away from rock for a while until the gears turned and I realized that like I could bring that like new sonic quality into, you know, like a, li a live band. And that was basically what I did. And I went solo for like a year or two doing rock. And then I met the guys in my band and we started Silos and now we're okay. here. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, is that you, you had spent the last year or so making rock songs. Like, uh, what drove you to do silos as opposed to just stick with Ray Garrison? My drummer, David. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my drummer, David, is like, I've known him the longest. I've known him for like eight years. And I met him playing volleyball in like Venice with like <laughs> some people I played with like every week. And... Uh, at the time, I, he was like, he had just finished like touring with Sum 41 as their touring drummer. And then he was playing for okay. Billy Ray Cyrus. And I was like, oh man, it'd be so cool to do a project with you, but like, you're always gonna be too busy <laughs> for me. So anyways, he was, uh, then he was playing with Grandson. Grandson was on tour with Bring Me the Horizon. And then I hit David up and we hadn't talked in a few years. And I was just like, yo, can you get us like backstage at the uh, Bring Me show? And he was like, uh, I don't know about the LA one, but another one. I was gonna go to like one of the surrounding city shows, but I didn't. But we ended up just being like, yo, let's hang out. Cause I wanted to show him the rock stuff I was doing. And then I showed it to him and he was like, let's start a band together. And I was like, okay. I mean, I had to think about it cause he had just been touring with grandson and parted ways. And he was like, yeah, like, He's like, I'm sick of playing for like solo artists. Like I want to be in a band. And I was like, man, dang. Cause I just kind of got launched as a solo artist. I had already done my song with Crazy Town. So like that, like opened up a lot of doors for me in the okay. rock world. And that was when I got approached by Howard Benson's label. And I was in talks with them about signing to them. 
so like I already had all this stuff going on in my solo career and then so for me to like switch gears and start a band was like a big deal and I had to like I had to think about it for like two weeks before I committed and at first I didn't think I was gonna do it at first I was like dang I really want to be in a band with them but like I'm not gonna drop what I'm doing because but I thought about it for weeks and I was just like you know like there's with our forces combined we could be like the Power Rangers (laughs) and um (laughs) And ultimately I did, and it was, I think, the best decision I've made in my career because, like, the chemistry we all have and, like, you know, with a group effort, it feels like, I don't know, it just, it feels like a movement rather than, like, a self-interest promoting okay. thing, yeah, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, uh, just looking over the your Spotify tracks, you had cranked out a lot of singles over the past couple of years, and then it just kind of switches gears into silos. So yeah. I figured they're was probably something to that so yeah that all makes sense let's go ahead and talk about the single insatiable how did it come about uh how did jay gordon get involved yeah so we made this towards like after we already had like half of our album, I would say. And um, David, my drummer, brought in one of his friends, Kevin Hasink, who was like the guy behind all the grandson songs. And he's like the guitar- like the guy that wrote like all the guitar riffs and sick producer, produced a lot of their music. And we started writing. He heard uh, if I fall, which is also on the insatiable like EP and he really liked it and wanted to work with us. So we got in and made some songs and I think this is the first one we made that is on the album. He was over here at the band and we were just cooking up here in my home studio. And, um, we came up with the idea like pretty quickly and then Kevin took it home and like arranged it a little bit. And, uh, that was kind of like our flow is like, We'd be here, like I'd kind of cook up on the computer. Kevin would plug in the guitar, write guitar riffs. I'd throw a beat together. And then sometimes I'd send him the stems and he would like arrange it a little more. And uh, yeah, and then Mike, our engineer, Howard's engineer and producer, we were recording like all the live instruments at his studio. And um, we were talking about, somehow we started talking about Orgy and I was like, he'd be really good for this song, Insatiable, because, you know, it's it's called Insatiable and his band's Orgy, and they were, like, <laughs> one of the first, not the first bands, but they were, like, one of the first bands in, like, the, like, 90s, 2000s that mixed ED, like, elect, like dance music and rock. I know that there was, like, craft work and stuff, like, earlier, but, like, I feel like he was taking, like, sounds from, like, Acid House and, like, he was taking sounds from like 90s electronic music and mixing it in with like alternative rock and we're doing like the same thing but just with like you know the late 2000s electronic music okay yeah those first two orgy albums were absolutely great uh vapor transmissions i love that album (laughs) yeah it's amazing and jay's amazing too he's just super creative like he's like all he's just he seems like he's like kind of like always just like a kid in his head just like who loves music and like (laughs) you know like i'll play him a mix he's like oh that snare is sick you know like (laughs) we have a lot in common 
So uh, your, your first three singles that were put out as silos were covers. Mm-hmm. The Linkin Park one, what I've done, it it makes sense. It fits in with your with your vibe and your sound. Yeah, but the other two, you got um, Miley Cyrus's "Flowers" and sort of a deep cut from the Rolling Stones, "Play with Fire." Yeah, why those songs? Uh, where do I start? I'll start in <laughs> chronological order. Uh, "Flowers," I just found out from when I covered "Unholy," which was a, the number one song at the time, that I was able to like blast up my social media following by covering and like heavily promoting like a song that was going viral already because then you kind of just put yourself in that formula so i found that that was kind of like a a hack to reach new fans very quickly and at a high number so i know flowers had been out for like a month or something before we covered it but eventually i just kind of heard it and i was like oh yeah like i could like i was like i i have an idea of like where to take that okay so I just sat down and started it. And usually in these covers, like I sit down and work on it for like four hours and then I make TikTok video right after and then I post it the next day. All right. So that was pretty much how we did that one. My guitar player, Nick, was, we have, we live together. Yeah, he laid down some guitar on it and then we filmed like a little video at like 9 a.m. that morning without sleeping yet. <laughs> Yeah, and that one turned out pretty cool. And then the other next, I think, was uh, What I've Done. That one, we got a vinyl player at the house, and Nick just got that album, whatever album at Linkin Park. Minutes to Midnight, that's the yes. album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he was playing it. That song came on. I was like, oh, I haven't heard that in forever. And I found myself, like, excited when it came on. And I remember it from when I was a kid and, like, I was like this sub, like these lyrics speak to me like this like this song I would love to sing so like that was just like out of passion and even even like Jay when I met Jay and a lot of people have like said my voice kind of sounds like sits in a similar range to like Chester's which I always thought was like crazy but like that's like the coolest thing a compliment <laughs> ever but yeah Jay said that the first day I met him and then like even Howard Benson our guy who produced our album said and a lot of people have said in comments so i was like yeah i should sing one of these songs and that was the one i chose yeah it is a pretty spot on cover yeah thanks your cover of unholy it was good (laughs) oh thanks yeah that was fun and yeah play with fire that was that's my favorite one creatively because most people can't even recognize the original song in it right because the only thing that is the same is the is the vocal melody and lyrics and even the melody is a little different but the music's like completely different yes that song happened i was watching the show westworld like (laughs) during covid this is like during the big like i think this is like within the first two weeks of covid 
maybe even the first week. And I heard that don't play with me because you're playing with fire. And I was like, oh, that's so like sinister, but like cool, but like it's chill, but it's like, I, I felt like it like had so many different feelings in it. So I was just like, that's like, how have I not heard? Like, I think I had heard it, but like the gears clicked where I was like, oh, this would be a really cool song to cover slash remix. Um, Cause at that time I was still really doing the, the electronic DJ stuff. So I had started that cover like in 2020. It was just kind of sitting on my hard drive for a while. And then I think I played it for the band and they were like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> so then I just one day opened up this session and I changed it a lot. It sounds pretty much completely different. I think the only thing is the same as like the acidy bass line and throughout the verses. That one is just fun because I felt like it was like creatively, I felt like it was very unique and I liked singing in that low register too, like, well, you've got your diamonds. <laughs> like, that was fun. I've never sang like that before and it, it was cool. Yeah, and then like just the mixture of like epic rock with like the electronic and it kind of had like a cyberpunky. <laughs> I was just playing cyberpunk at that time too, so like, I was into that mid-tempo, heavy, like, acidy cyberpunk house music. Okay. Well, I think you partially already answered this question, but I had seen on the band's Instagram, uh, you were asking fans to vote on their favorite song, and you had the three singles listed. Then you had a bunch of blank spots underneath it, like mm -hmm. there was going to be more songs later. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you guys have already recorded quite a bit of an album. Yeah, we've completed uh, a 10-song album. It's, it's in the mixing phase right now. We pretty much have final mixes of everything, but I've waited to send them off to mastering because I pretty much wait until like we have a release date and then I pretty much wait till like the week of that we have to upload it by to send it to mastering just in case I have like any last minute ideas. <laughs> For example, our next single called Lighthouse, which I think we're looking at releasing November 10th, featuring Crazy Town. Okay. Shifty from Crazy Town. Um, that one's really cool, and we've had it done for a minute, but I just added some, like, cool little, like, vocal chops on it last night, and we have to upload it next Friday to the servers. So, you know, just I had a little inspiration at the last minute, so I like to hold on to them until the last possible second. Yeah, because once you send them off to Masters, there's not a whole lot you could do with it after that. Nothing. <laughs> I guess on top of that, uh, what are the band's plans for the future? Yeah, I mean, our plans are to hit the road touring. We just we just got a um, new manager, Brandon Friesen, who's making that it's the number one goal right now is to get us on the road. We've been rehearsing for like nine months in the garage here. We've built a <laughs> rehearsal space in there. So we're very rehearsed and very ready for the road. In the meantime, we have some L.A. shows. We're playing December 1st at the Whiskey Go-Go with Orgy. Cool. Um, we're playing Palm Springs October 27th for, like, a Halloween party. And we might have another show around Halloween, but it's unconfirmed. Um, and then besides that, 
just getting our next singles in place to release and lining up the album for release and you know all the stuff that goes along like with that like getting ready to do a music video shoot getting the album artwork for the different things and then posting on social media which you know is like the the task that we are required to do in this day and age yeah it it keeps everything alive yes exactly it really does because i slacked on it prior to 2022 my career was very stale and then once i started really just grabbing it by the balls and making myself post on it it's like you said it just kept it alive it's watered it and like sometimes i'm like why am i still doing this but then i'll be like nothing's going viral it's not working but then i'll like see someone on the street and they'll be like oh you covered that lincoln park song or like at a show <laughs> someone came up to me and like, I love that. And then I was at, like, a party, and some kid just came up to me and sang the chorus for Insatiable. He's like, I'm so insatiable. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's why we do this. Um, yeah, that's going to be the best kind of validation. Yeah. You know, it does do something, and it is important. And once you kind of get in a rhythm and you kind of have, you know, people expect something from you, then it's a little bit easier. Because at first it's easy to be in your head. And be like, oh, I look stupid. And you probably do. We all do. But, you know, it's like, it's just what comes along with, like, being a entertainment personality of some sort, you know? You just got to put yourself out there. Is there a bit of advice that you would give to somebody that's just starting off in the music industry? Something that you know now that you wish you would have known when you started? Hmm. Yeah. It seems like obvious piece of advice, but an obvious piece of advice that a hit songwriter told me was like the key they thought was just to be a great person. You know, because like when you're getting in like the rooms, it's like, big writers even if someone's super talented they're not going to want to be around like a bad vibe the more like you like lift up the people around you and like are actually radiate like that kind of energy i think the more it comes your way and that's something i have to remind myself too sometimes yeah and like with that like you know relation it's i think it's all about relationships and keeping relationships healthy and trying not to burn bridges like I used to be much more self-destructive and burn. I've burned like a lot of bridges on in my early days with a punk rock attitude. There's so many relationships that I just also just kind of let drift away that like, you know, I think if you can nurture relationships and keep good relationships and communication going, then that will take you further than anything in your career with a little bit of talent. Yeah. I like that. That is a, that, that is some good advice. I like that. Don't be a dick. Yeah, <laughs> this, that's the short version, yes. <laughs> but sometimes you have to as well, you know. Yeah, uh, there there are times where you do have to stand up for yourself and you know, like kind of put up a boundary. And sometimes that comes off that way. Yeah, maybe you don't have to be a dick, but... Maybe you don't have to be a dick, but you have to, like, sometimes... You, have to, you definitely have to learn how to stick up for yourself. And that's what kind of made me have that punk rock fuck-off attitude. P- people see talent or something in you, then, like... There's a lot of people that want to latch on to that. And there's some like sick people that just like want to, you know, try to take advantage of that as much as possible. So like, 
you kind of just learn that by, from experience. There's no real way to be prepared for that. You just kind of have to like learn it as you go. And yeah, like, you know, when something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. And you have to make boundaries and you have to have uncomfortable conversations and about like, I hate, I hate negotiating. <laughs> like when I'm doing like productions and stuff about money with people, like, cause I just want to be focused on the art, but I'm, that's why I'm stoked to have like management now is just because like, those are the conversations I hate to have. And you know, I always shoot myself in the foot and do it for like way less than I should. I don't want to like kill the creative vibe, but yeah, those are, those are, I think all key things to, to growing a music career. All right. So one last question, and uh, this might put you on the spot, but hopefully in a, in a good way mm -hmm. on our podcast, when we're not doing interviews, uh, we have sort of a, a book club for albums. So we pick an album that we think is worth talking about or something that we think needs more exposure. We all go listen to it, and then we meet back up, and we just discuss the album. Yeah. It's sort of a review, but it doesn't have to be for new things. Uh-huh. If you had to pick an album for us to cover that you think needs more exposure or is worth talking about, what would it be? By any artist? Yeah. Um, I mean, I could say... That album Ammo by Bring Me to the Horizon, that was like what really made me shift gears a little bit and realize that I could mix the two like types of music that I have always loved. So but a lot of people that like are kind of in the that are fans of I mean Bring Me know that record, but a lot of there's a lot of people that don't. That album for me was kind of like a gospel when I had it. I'm like, yo, I have to share this with you. <laughs> and like, usually people were like, oh, wow, this is really cool. So, I mean, I think that's one that if people haven't heard, they should. Okay. Yeah, I always like to hear uh, albums that mean something to other people. Yeah, that's definitely one. That's all I got. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Our theme song is All the Love in the World by Adam Austin. Songs from the featured band include Insatiable, featuring Jay Gordon of Orgy, What I've Done, If I Fall, Flowers, Miley Cyrus Cover, Play With Fire, and Mind Eraser. Additionally, the song Mantra by the band Bring Me the Horizon was also used. Our show was produced by David Irons. From all of us here at The Unfolding Sound, this is Tina wishing you a fantastic day. Until the next time. From Era X Entertainment. The Unfolding Sound podcast is a music review and band interview show. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests are their own and not reflective of the podcast producers. The podcast aims to provide educational and cultural insights into music. Any historical or factual claims should be independently verified. The Unfolding Sound podcast includes song excerpts for review and commentary purposes, which we believe fall under fair use. We provide informative and transformative analysis of the music, giving critical opinions and insights. We respect the right of copyright owners and give proper credit to the original artists.